welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of July 2012, entitled, The God That Cannot Lie. And the Bible reading is taken from Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to begin this evening with the book of Titus, chapter 1, and just one verse there, verse 2. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. We'll just begin with verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Father, we thank you again this evening for the time that we have together here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit within. Now, Lord, we just pray that during this time, Lord, the spiritual food would be gained from that which you have before us, that it would speak to hearts that which needs to be heard here this evening. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We looked last week at the thought of when God makes promises. What those promises can mean to us. It's really carrying on a little from that thought this evening as we look here for the next few moments. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's what I want to remind you of this evening. The God who cannot lie and what that means to us. You see, our hope in eternal life. He says here, in hope of eternal life, which that God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Our hope in eternal life is a hope that's founded in the promise of God. And therefore, if it's founded in the promise of God, it's founded in the very word of God. A God that cannot lie, he says here. You might think, well, you know, are those words necessary? Of course God can't lie. Why would he stick those in her? A God that cannot lie. See, that means that that hope, that hope that we have in eternal life is grounded in Scripture. The preserved Word of God that we have before us right here this evening. Now, this hope that's being spoken of, this hope of eternal life, we've spoken of this hope before. It's not a hope that expresses desire with some kind of doubt. We use hope in that way many times. You know, we might say something like, I hope that this is going to happen. You know, we have an idea that it might happen, but we're not real sure. There might have been a lot of people saying, I hope that Andy Murray wins Wimbledon today. But that's not a surety. (laughs) There might be a real desire there, but there's a desire with doubt. And many times we speak of, I hope this be the case and that be the case in many things, but the hope that we find here in Scripture, it's not a hope that has some kind of doubt, but it is a joyful anticipation of something that is a reality. It's not a hope that it might be. It's that hope that we have in the fact that we are anticipating it and, and we have joy within our hearts because we, we know that it's a certainty. You see, Titus is one of the three pastoral epistles that 
Paul wrote, and he's instructing this one that he actually calls his son in the faith here. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's writing to a young preacher. There's one thing that a young preacher, that any preacher needs to understand if he is to stand and preach God's word is that God can be trusted and therefore his word can be trusted. Every word of it. When God says something, that's it. You can count on it. This thing of doubt doesn't even have to enter in that though it would be a great and grand thing if it did happen, there's a possibility that it can't. The hope that we have in him is a surety. There are a few things I just want to give you that I hope will encourage you here this evening about this, this great truth. Why? Why was it important here, this in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began? Well, see, the fact that what we have here, the word of God that we have, is given to us. It's written to us by a God that cannot lie. This is a self-proclaimed truth that God himself has declared. He's the one that says it's certain. Notice these words in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? You see, in fact, what he's saying there is you you can't compare God to anybody else you know. <laughs> Is God like that other man out there that might say something, but it's possible that he's not really being honest? Is it possible, he says, for, for God to say something and not do it? To speak something and, and not make good upon what he says? He's saying God's never lied. <laughs> Matter of fact, God cannot lie. What he says, he will do. The same truth is also declared to us in the writing to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. says, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, notice he says, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We find that this really ties in with the same thing, God. This God that is the heir of promise, the immutability of his counsel. The immutability of his counsel means the unchangeableness of his counsel. God's not going to say one thing to you now and change his mind and say something else later. He's not going to say something to you and say, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't promised that. The word of God is a truth. 
that is self-proclaimed by God himself in his word that his counsel is immutable. God is incapable of breaking his word. We need to grasp that anything that God has said to it, it is an impossibility. He wouldn't be God if he could change his mind about it, if he could tell a lie about it. We find that his counsel is what he says. And what he says has been recorded for us in the word of God. He says here that in speaking of the immutability of God's counsel, of what God teaches us, of what God gives to us, what does he mean here? Confirmed by an oath. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. You see, God's intention was to end any doubt. In other words, there is no room in the hope that he's giving us. There's no room for any doubt. What did he say in verse 16 there in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, before he said that, look, for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now stop and think about this. Man, if he wants to get the fact across that what he's saying is genuine, is absolutely the truth, then what man does is he swears by something greater, by something that is more precious, by something that he couldn't possibly. You know, you hear people say something like, I, I swear on my mother's grave because they can't think of anything that's greater to them than that mother. They're trying to say on that which is the greatest, the most sacred to them, that's what they're giving you, your word, not based upon me, but based upon something that's greater than me. We find that here, you see, God is saying among men, it is customary to swear by something greater than themselves. And if a statement is confirmed by an oath, that's the end of the quibbling. God is letting us know that, well, there's no greater oath. God's oath is on himself. There is nothing greater. If God says it, that's it. We find that this simple truth here in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, it is a self-proclaimed truth. That's what God has said himself, in his self-revelation that he's given us in his word, in his counsel. You see, what we know about God is what God himself has revealed to us. It's not hearsay. It's not what somebody else thinks about him. It's not somebody else's idea. What we need to grasp is, look, this is God himself. If we don't have God's word, if it were possible for God to tell one lie, if it were possible for God to make you one promise that you had to have even an inkling of doubt about, then he would no longer be God. He wouldn't be a God that's worth very much if we can't take him at his word, if he can promise something and not fulfill it. You see, that's 
a self-proclaimed truth by God himself. It's not just something else that somebody said, you know, I believe he's an honest guy. You know, I, could, I, I, I wouldn't be ashamed to tell anybody. If they, if they want to know about Brother Steve, I wouldn't be ashamed to tell any of them. Well, he, he is honest. You can count on him. You can count on his word. There is no way in the world he would tell you a lie. And I would mean that with all my heart. But you know what? That's still my idea of who Steve is. Have you ever had anybody before that, well, if you've ever known a human being, <laughs> you found out that people can let you down. We're all human. Guess what? We can all say things and mean them with all of our heart. But the thing is, what we're finding here is God himself wants us to understand, Brother Steve, our hope, a hope that no doubt it is a reality that we can have joy in that was promised us before the world even began. God had planned this. God had promised this for us, a God that cannot lie. When it comes to any of his promises, that's what God himself has said. It's not just man's idea. It's not just a religious idea. It's not just some theological idea that churches have come up with. This is what God himself says about himself in his own word. So it's a truth that is self-proclaimed by God. If you can count on God for anything, you can count on him for this. If you can count on him as being God, then you can count on this because he is an immutable God. Secondly, it's a truth not only that is self-proclaimed by God, but it should be savored by believers. I mean, it should do something special. Boy, have, I know we shouldn't talk about food, but have you ever eaten something, Brother Peter, that I mean, just, just the moment that it touched your lips, the moment that your taste buds on that tongue, I you said, wow, that is something special. You know, that's, that's just tremendous. You know, what is this? Or who made this? Or how did you do this? I mean, it's, it's the natural thing that comes out. It's something, it's something to be savored. Well, that's what savoring something means. It means to appreciate it fully. It means to, to enjoy it, to, to relish in it. You see, there's nothing that should comfort your heart more than to read the promises of God and know that that God cannot lie. That, that, that can't even enter in. God can't say something and it not be so. Every promise that he's ever made of course, one of the greatest ones here is that, that hope of eternal life. You know, we've, the Bible says if it's in this life only that we have hope, then we're a people most miserable, most pitiable. <laughs> we have a hope of something that's more. Isaiah taught this in Isaiah chapter 34, verse 16. How do you like that? I can fix both said. I said Isaiah said it, but you can find it in Isaiah. So <laughs> Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 16 Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want their mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Can you grasp that? It is impossible 
for any one, any one thing that God says to fail? We saw there in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that it said that God was immutable. That means that everything about God is immutable. Everything about him is unchangeable, and that includes what he says. But he said there, he says, there are two immutable things. Do you remember that word? What was it that he said? He said, wherein God willingly, more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. To do that, it says, he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation. What was this two immutable things that God gave to Abraham there? He gave him a promise. Remember what we said about that oath? He confirmed it by his own oath. God promised it. And God made an oath upon himself, nothing greater, that that was it. You see, then God tells us the reason that he did that. Why did he do that? Why did God say, you know, I mean, this is two unchangeable things. God made a promise, and then God made an oath to it upon himself. Why did God do that? He goes on to say that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And it's recorded in his word today. You and I have that same surety, that same hope, that same anticipation of everything that God said. It's true. It can't be any other way. God can't change his mind about it. God can't not fulfill his promise if he could do it once then we may as well all go home because we have no hope. If our hope is in him, then we need to, to recognize and start grabbing hold of just who he is. In the Old Testament, they used to use the incense. They're on the altar. And it would rise to fill the presence of God with a sweet smell. That was its purpose. That's what the word of God, the truth of God's word, it should fill our spiritual nostrils, if you would. Something to be savored. Something to truly appreciate in all of its fullness. Do we appreciate what we have in God's word? Every word that he's spoken to us, every precious promise that it holds, it's all there for us find that you see that God that cannot lie, that truth that he cannot lie. It's a self-proclaimed truth by God himself. So this is either the God that we stake our eternity on or we have no eternity. But it's a truth oh, that we ought to appreciate in all of its fullness. We ought to savor just what it is to have a God that cannot lie, that it's his promise that has given us that hope of eternal life. And I want to give you this one finally. The God that cannot lie 
It's a truth that's self-proclaimed by God, that's savored by believers, but it's a truth that needs to be sounded out by the church. It needs to be sounded out by the church. You see, we've been given a commission to proclaim God's truth. We need to recognize that when we proclaim that truth, that we can proclaim it with absolute confidence, with absolutely no doubt whatsoever. You see, that proclamation that we take to the world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it really stands or falls not on us, but on the veracity of God himself, on the genuineness of God himself, on the truthfulness of God himself. Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 28 says, Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, There shall none of my words be prolonged any more, but the word which I have spoken shall be done, just in case you didn't get it the first time, saith the Lord God. The word which I have spoken shall be done. There is no doubt. There is no question whatsoever. In Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Now, what's he saying here? He that rejects me doesn't receive my words, he has one that's going to judge him. What is that? The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word of God, God's word, is so certain, so sure, so unchangeable, so impossible, to fail in even one point, in one word, that one day all of the human race, if they reject that word, if they don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ, it's that word that is going to judge them one day. You see, that same word that can give us all the hope and all the joy and all the fullness in the world that we need because it is God's word to us, that same word is what will judge men that won't receive it, that won't accept it. We've read the verse many times, what the Bible says about itself. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for the teachings, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, it's God's word, but it's you and I that's to proclaim that word, that truth, the immutability of it, God, the infallibility of it, the inerrancy of it. You and I are to take that word to the world we can't change the world. Faith 
Folks, it's not taking a plunge in the dark. Faith is not relying upon some elusive, emotional hope that is somewhere within us. May I say to you this evening, faith is trusting in God's unfailing promises that he's given to us right here. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not about how we feel. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the hopelessness we may see around it. It's about what God has said, everything about our life. This is what is going to take, and it's going to build us up. It's going to correct us. It's going to make us strong. It's going to give us everything that we need for our daily life, not the world, but him. I give you this little poem in closing. It says, Doubt sees the obstacles, but faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take one step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. Father, we thank you so much this evening. Lord, as we look at this simple truth, Lord, it's amazing because we know that one, not one word of Scripture is there without a purpose. I thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of this truth as I was thinking even last week upon your promises. And, Lord, in reading this here, this beginning of this letter to this young preacher, this great hope that I had no doubt that was so absolutely sure. Why? Because it was made by a God that could not lie before the world even began. Lord, why did you have to tell us a God that cannot lie? Lord, because really our whole lives, all the hope that we have, everything that we are and hope to be, Lord, any work that is going to be accomplished in this life that is going to be worthwhile, it all rests on that very simple truth that it's your word, not ours. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by not man's word, but by the word of God. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I pray. I pray that you would help this evening these simple words just to help us fully appreciate what we have. Every page that you've given us, every word that's before us, let it make a difference in our lives. Let it change who we are. Let it help us, Lord, to be able to, to face those that we'll see tomorrow that that may have nothing but hopelessness. Help it, Lord, change us to where that those who our life touches, it can touch in a positive way because it's not our words that will give them hope, but it's your words, your immutable words. But, Father, we thank you this evening for the time that we've had in looking once again. We pray that you bless it to each heart. In Christ's precious and holy name, amen.